The views expressed represent the opinion of Modern Wealth Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. Modern Wealth Management does not accept any liability for the use of the information discussed. Consult with a qualified financial, legal, or tax professional prior to taking any action. Thanks for joining us on America's Wealth Management Show. As a quick heads up, all of the resources we discussed today will be included in the show notes for the episode. Just find the link for the resource you're looking for in the episode description. You'll find links to other episodes, articles, videos, and our calendar. Don't miss out. For those of you who prefer a visual experience, head over to our YouTube channel where we release a new episode on video and on demand. So be sure to check out the show notes so you don't miss a thing. Now, let's get to the show. I just did some quick math here, right? The 25 times your gross income rule. So let's say somebody was earning $100,000 gross yep. before they retired. You get $2.5 million. Right. Okay. 25 times 2.5 million times 4% is $100,000. Uh-huh. Right. It works. <laughs> <laughs> that's simple. So I guess we can quit the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that simple. <laughs> Okay, bud, here we are. We're going to talk about some of these silly rules of thumb when it comes to investing, saving, spending. And the rules of thumb drive me absolutely nuts because they just don't make any sense. You know, people like to make it as simple as possible so that they can throw in a rule that can guide everybody, regardless of your personal situation. That's what you should focus on. No, that's not even close to true. All right, let's, let's, let's talk about why these rules of thumb even exist. What is your opinion on why they even exist? People are looking for answers. They're looking for direction. They want to know, do I have enough or don't I have enough? It's going back to the old uh, three bears, right? You know, so yeah. you want the one that's, uh, you know, best just tasting right. for you just right. Yeah, know? the one that's just right. Well, and, and the thing is that there is a right financial answer. There is a right tax strategy. There is a right legacy planning strategy. There is a right risk management strategy. For everybody, mm -hmm. but it's not the same for each person because we're all individuals. We all have our own set of circumstances. We all have our own set of resources, our own uh, spending objectives, our legacy goals, our health issues, you know, or lack thereof. We're all individuals, and everybody's plan, everybody's retirement plan should be tailored specifically to them. Exactly right, except for there's one common theme, and the, answer, and the question is, do I have enough? Well, and, and, you know, what's enough? Well, you don't know that until you actually go through. I mean, the financial planning process is a discovery process, isn't it? Well, I, I know how you tell if you have enough. You go to the 25 times your gross income rule for retirement. <laughs> that was kind of funny when I was reading that, you know, kind of going through the preparation for the show and everything. Because if you were, uh, if you take $75,000 salary over 25 years, that means that you would have saved $1,875,000. Then taking that times 7%, which is an arbitrary number that I created as a distribution, that would get you $131,250. So then you got to pay the taxes out of that. So the question is, what the, what's the net? But how many people have the ability of saving at that kind of rate, especially in their early working years? Well, I just did some quick math here, right? Mm -hmm. And I know I get what you're saying. The 25 times your gross income rule. So let's say somebody was earning $100,000 gross yep. before they retired. You get two point five million, right? Okay, twenty five times two point five million times four percent 
is $100,000. Uh-huh. All right. It works. <laughs> <laughs> That's simple. It's that now, simple. Let's see. Uncle Sam might take some of that. Yeah. Well, that was your gross income. That's your gross income here. Right. Taxes are going to probably be about the same, so I guess we can quit the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> it is that simple. See? <laughs> what, didn't, what didn't we take into consideration there? Oh, my gosh. Inflation and expenses and all the things that have to be understood before you ever feel comfortable with what your future distribution rate will be. That's right. You, you got to think about, um, and by the way, I've been doing this now for 37 years and you've been doing this for 40, 41, 41 like years. Most people that have gross income of a hundred thousand dollars have not saved $2.5 million for retirement. That's a fair would statement. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, yeah. yes. Yeah, generally, the people that have $2.5 million saved for retirement had households in, household income well in excess of $200,000 a year. Yeah. But, and the, but that's, now you're saying that couple should have $5 million saved for retirement. Yeah, so if you take the 25 times, you know, well, gee, that works for them, but it doesn't work for most. No, and, and right, inflation was not taken into consideration there. Where's that money saved at? Yeah. Is that, did you save that into a Roth? Did you save that into a traditional 401k? A, mm-hmm. a Roth 401k? Did you save that into uh, just a savings account? Where's that money at? Yeah, and what, that's why I am a practicing Rothaholic, as right. you know. <laughs> but what are the tax ramifications? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And and that's where the financial planning process goes in because uh, we bring up scenarios that the vast majority of people probably wouldn't think of. And when you look through the details associated with that, I don't think I've ever had an experience, Dean, where even at at the end of the presentation that was solely personalized for a couple, let's say, that they didn't sit back in their chair and go, wow, we didn't know all this. We should have known this 25 years ago. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I was thinking about this earlier in the week, and of all of the people that have come to us here at Modern Wealth, there has not been one that I know of that said, I'm here too soon. Mm-hmm. It's always exactly the opposite. opposite is, right? I wish I would have known these things five years ago. I wish I would have known these things 10 years ago. I wish I would have come to you sooner. Yeah, but you know what that reminds me of? You. When we started talking about the show, because you had the show on air before I ended up joining you with that. But those were the same comments that you were making. You don't know what you don't know, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, and so to to that end, we did put together something that is, I mean, I I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of these have been downloaded. It's uh, the Retirement Plan Checklist. If you have not yet downloaded the Retirement Plan Checklist, get our Retirement Plan Checklist. It is age-based timelines, and it is... Uh, also, 10 years out, five years out, a year out, those types of things. And then there's 30 critical questions because the whole idea that you don't know what you don't know, go to get the retirement plan checklist and ask, you'll get the 30 questions that you need to ask. Yes. And that's and and that's uh, that's a good start. But you know what? There's no silly rules of thumb in our retirement plan checklist. Exactly. Have you saved 25 times your income? It's <laughs> none of your business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But at the same time, going back to the checklist, it's it's so easy to read. And secondly, we've brought in questions that actually came from people who became clients of our firm, you know, that we used in the um, in the positions here yeah. for, for them to say, oh, that's me. Oh, I understand that now. Why wasn't asked? Speaking of understanding, here's a little trivia for oh, you. Oh, boy. Dean. 
I, I don't think I've gotten one of these right yet. <laughs> I don't think I have either. <laughs> what ancient emperor was the first to implement a sales tax? Now, I'm going to give you some choices. Okay. Genghis Khan, Caesar Augustus, Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great. Uh, Caesar Augustus. No. <laughs> Genghis Khan. We're running out. No. Julius Caesar. <laughs> well, we, we eliminated two right off the bat, didn't we? I had a 25% chance of getting it right. Yeah, I should have let you go on to see. If you would have said Alexander the Great, I would say, I'm going to give it to you, but it's wrong. <laughs> All right, I got one for you. Okay. All right. The Rosetta Stone, our key to unlocking hieroglyphics, was mostly a document explaining what type of information. And I'm going to give you some choices. Okay. A is a ruler's will. B, tax laws. C, love letter. D, spice trade ledger. Tax laws. <laughs> you read that before. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, I didn't. But I know where the source came from, and I'm thinking about the theme of the show, and I go, I got this one. Yay! <laughs> you always get the easy First ones. First time. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to these retirement rules of thumb. The one that drives me crazy is the asset allocation one, mm-hmm. right? The 100 minus your age rule for stock allocation, that's the same rule of thumb as own your age in bonds. Right. Okay. Yes, that's right. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, look, asset allocation is something that needs to be tailored to your own specific situation. So we've we've talked about this here on America's Wealth Management Show many times, but I don't think we've mentioned it lately. When you go through the retirement planning process and you take into consideration all of the resources that you have – and you take into consideration potential future inheritances, you take into consideration what you want to spend, you take into consideration inflation, et cetera, all the things that we take into consideration. Once you've done that, you have identified your PRI, your personal Personal return index, okay? Mm -hmm. So once you identify your personal return index, that's the rate of return that your investments need to average over your lifetime in order to give you the lifestyle that you want. Then you go in and say, okay, what allocation gives me the highest probability of success from a historical perspective Mm -hmm. of achieving that rate of return with the very least amount of risk possible? Because when you get into retirement, you want to achieve your return, but you want to do it with the least amount of risk possible. So if we had done this 100 minus your age Right or own your age in bonds in 2022 and so far here in 2023, and we just owned one of the ETFs that mirror the bond aggregate, we would be down 16% on that portion of our portfolio. So what 65-year-old wants to put 65% of their money in an asset that has lost 16% over the last 20 months. Yeah, even though that might be an attractive entry point from that perspective. But what you're really getting to, uh, Dean, is the uh, dynamics associated with financial planning. There are factors that come into play that uh, even though you might have a pat answer in your mind, the dynamics that can effective plan most certainly can change the direction of that, or at least it allows us to explain how things would have worked out with a specific dynamic that came in, you know, as either success or failure. Right. 
Right. I, I like the 10% rule. <laughs> you do? Okay. <laughs> that makes you happy, I'm happy. <laughs> there is no 10% rule. Let's stick on this whole idea of asset allocation, and that goes to the 4% rule, right? So if you own your age in bonds, and you're taking 4% out of those bonds, and you went through the last 15 years since the Great Recession, mm-hmm. what have those bonds done? Yeah. Have they even averaged 4%? <clears throat> No, no, no. No. So what you're doing, you're depleting your principal. All right. Okay. So you have an article that you brought in that you and I have referenced a lot of times here on America's Wealth Management Show. It's called Alpha, Beta, and Now Gamma. Mm-hmm. And it's written by uh, Paul Kaplan, Kaplan and uh, David Blanchett. Blanchett. Yeah, David Blanchett. And it's done, they're Morningstar researchers. Mm-hmm. And this paper talks about how with proper financial planning techniques, you're able to increase your income in retirement by as much as twenty two point six percent. That's by that, and that's that's investment agnostic, okay? right? Yeah. So what they did was they took a sixty forty portfolio and said, "Here's the four percent rule, but let's apply some of these financial planning techniques in here." And with the financial planning techniques, what they realized is you could increase your income by twenty two point six percent. So if it was the four percent rule, now it's the five percent rule, right? Yeah. The thing that it is, and and that was an excellent article, and you're right, we've used that many times over the years, but it really validates, if you will, the true understanding that people need to have in terms of what the probabilities are of a net return being better or worse. And uh, because the alpha is the upside, the beta is the risk, and now we have the gamma, which is the best choice of how to get that income in your hands. Yeah, and and so what we typically see is when – Somebody says, okay, what you guys are talking about makes sense. I want to I want to talk to one of the CFPs in your company. They come in and we do the planning. And what we typically see is one of two scenarios. Either a person is set to spend more than what they should, mm-hmm. or they're set to spend far less than what they could. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Both of those are not good choices. What we want to know is what's okay to spend. How much is okay, mm-hmm. right? Right. That's the answer. You know, I was I was I was reviewing with a couple. They've been retired for I don't know six or seven years now, and you know we get together. Every, you know, a couple times every year we go through the plan. Here's what you spent last year. Here's what you you know. Here's what the plan said. Here's what you're planning to spend this year. Here's what the plan says, um, and you know. Roth conversions, all the discussions that we have during a normal review. And I I said, you guys have not been spending what you can. Now you're at a point where you can spend $50,000 a year more than what you're currently spending. Mm -hmm. And and you're in your late 60s now. Go travel, do some things. And they're like, we really can do that. And I'm like, do it now. Yeah, the dynamics associated with financial planning in the scenario that you just talked about is really what life brings us. And that means as we go through the aging process, we're not going to be as mobile. So you might have a lot of money and you might be looking at your income sources being the same every every time, every year. Right. But it's not going to be that way. And so therefore, you know, while you're mobile and can do things, it makes more sense that you would spend a little bit more money in those earlier years, understanding that in the latter years, you're not going to be spending that. So therefore, there's some makeup if you overspent a little bit, you know, during that uh, period of time. 
But people need to see the numbers in order to get comfortable. Oh, oh, I guess we can do that. Yeah. Right. Well, let's, you know, we put it under so many screens, you know, to, if you will, bring confidence to the decision at that time. That's where our CPAs come in because the tax implications are, are quite different. So if we're taking less money out, let's say in the last uh, 50% of our lives than the first 50% of our retirement life, I should say, then most certainly, uh, you know, there's ways of making that money back because we're spending differently. Right. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think is a really important conversation. And that's why these rules of thumb are just silly, right? So what's your health? What's your what's the longevity like in the family? Are you going to have to support aging parents? Will you maybe have to support children? Um, are you going to pay for grandkids college? All these things are important factors because if somebody retires at the age of 65, and I don't know why I'm picking that number, but retire at 65, chances are they've got 15 good years of active retirement, travel, do the stuff you want to do. You get much past 80, and most people, I might say everybody because we've got clients that have you know, done around-the-world cruises in their 90s before, mm-hmm. but you know, most people get into their 80s, and that they just slow down and they stop spending as much. So why don't we build that into the plan? Why don't we say, hey, what if we front load that retirement? What if we what if we spend more in those early years of retirement, knowing that in the later years of retirement, we're not going to be as active and mobile and we can spend less then? That can be modeled into the plan. But what happens is if people don't have that plan, they go about reading these silly rules of thumb. Well, I can only withdraw 4%. That's the safe, that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm handcuffed the rest yeah. of my life to that. Yeah. You yeah. know, the other dynamic that comes into play in most situations are inheritances. You know, and if you know that there's one in the future, we talked on prior shows about having family discussions, mm-hmm. you know, with that. And a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. They sometimes want to hold back from their family what they actually have, and that's, that's their right to do so. Of course. But, but we've had many, um, for some reason, I get the word dynamic in my head today, you know, uh, family sessions, you know, where the parents want to disclose what this uh, certain amount of money that they've been able to amass over the years and now talk about at some point distribution is going to come out to you. Now, how do we get that money in those people's hands as efficiently as possible? Well, that's where we bring in our CPAs to help with that answer. Well, and and the, you know, trusts and the wills and the beneficiary designations and how that's all set up on retirement accounts and, and uh, other beneficiary type accounts like annuities and things like that. That's all critical stuff. It is. And each of them has a, usually a different set of rules associated in terms of distribution or legacy planning. Yeah, they do. So let's go to this last rule of thumb that I want to pick on here, but it's the saving 10 to 15% of your income for retirement. Okay. This is where this one really gets me. How many times have you met with someone that is that, that they've saved enough they're there, they've made it, they could retire today, but they really enjoy what they're doing. So they continue to work for another three or four or five years. You, you, I know you've seen that scenario. I've seen it many, many times. I think I'm living that scenario. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> and so in that scenario, what I always tell people is stop saving. Start doing some of the things that you want to do now. Take longer vacations. Use 100% of your PTO. Take additional vacations if you can and spend some of what you've been saving now, right? Mm -hmm. Start living the way that you want to live 
in retirement sooner. Yeah, and there's trepidations with that. And, of course, that's where the dynamics of the plan come into play. People want to know that if they do this, they're not going to destroy their future. Right. And and it's a very simple process for us to go through. But until you've gone through the experience, you'll always have that question. Yeah, there's there's another, and I don't know that this is necessarily a rule of thumb, bud, but it's a misconception that you should start claiming Social Security when you retire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How many times have you heard that? I want to get as much money out of the system as I possibly can. I'm taking it now. Right. Well, have you done the math? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because taking it now could be the right answer, but there could be other options that could enhance your ability to spend even more money in retirement. Right. And our lead CPA, uh, Corey, helps people understand the differences associated with it and the impact that it can have on your taxes through a wide variety of years You know, to uh, know what the net uh, result will be. Yeah, the, the couple that I talked about that I was reviewing that they could spend another $50,000 a year where we did special Social Security claiming strategies. And for those of you that don't understand it, the average couple at 62 will have over 600 different iterations on how they can claim Social Security. And the difference between the best and worst in many cases is $100,000 or more of additional lifetime income based on the same life expectancy and the same earnings history. Well, in this particular case, he's not yet filed for Social Security, right? Mm-hmm. He's taking a spousal benefit, mm-hmm. okay? But his benefit will kick on at age 70, and it's going to be $56,000 a year. Yeah. And there's other planning associated with that because remember, in a married couple, you know, the uh, surviving higher, spouse, right? The higher of the two is yeah. what's going to go to the survivor. So, yep. and another reason why we did that was so that we could keep the taxable income low in the first several years, spending off an account that was already been taxed mm-hmm. and moving money from traditional IRA to Roth IRA. We're, we've got this guy converted to a Rothaholic. That's there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because right. we're converting to a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. And by the way, those of you that don't know, we do have a Rothaholic club. You can join that Rothaholic club by going to rothaholic.com. And we send out information. We post information that is all about Roth IRAs, Roth conversions, Roth 401ks, Roth SEPs. It's the Rothification of America. It's the best, best place to have your money. Why? What's the tax rate on a Roth? Zero. Zero. (laughs) (laughs) So the more money we can get into a Roth IRA, the better. Look, these 4% rules or 100 minus your age, right? 25 times your gross income. If it's all in a Roth, it's a different number. Mm -hmm. So the rules of thumb don't hold up. Yeah. And again, it's it's incredible when people have the opportunity to open their eyes to what it could be. But you're not going to know if you're not talking to a professional. Well, that's why we're here. And we've got the team of CFPs. We've got the team of CPAs who work together to create the coordinated plan. we got the estate planning specialists, risk management specialists. Take care of it all. Why, why, why would you do that? You want to be able to go enjoy your life and do the things that you want to do and not have to worry about money. Agreed. Right? Right. That's our that's our all, whole objective with every single client that we serve. Yes, it is. All right. We appreciate everybody joining us here on America's Wealth Management Show. I'm Dean Barber along with Bud Casper. Until next time, everybody stay healthy and stay safe.
expressed represent the opinion of Modern Wealth Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. Modern Wealth Management does not accept any liability for the use of the information discussed. Consult with a qualified financial, legal, or tax professional prior to taking any action.